Good day, gents, and welcome to another episode of Father's Fire. My name is Jody Cedric, and every week, as you know, we get together to explore the joys, the challenges, the triumphs, the sorrows, and yes, the fun of being a dad. And, you know, it's this time of crazy year where summer's done, fall's coming. I had to put the boat away this weekend, so I'm bummed about that. But this weekend was an amazing volleyball game. You guys know my daughter plays for UVU, and she got nine services in a row. <laughs> it was awesome, super fun. But yeah, so there's always something that, you know, in life that either is fun or challenging or digging in. And as you guys know, we like to dig in and try to figure out how we can be better fathers, better husbands, better men through the process. And Sometimes it requires us to look in the mirror. So, but I'm super excited. Um, my guest today, I met at a detail of training in Indiana, Indianapolis, and uh, Indiana. And um, Nathan Warren was hosting it. He runs a detail shop called Frontline Shine. So, shout out to Nate. And then I met this awesome dude, Kane Gamblin, and his wife Melinda. And we just, we connected, right? And we had yeah. a great conversation. So welcome, Kane. I'm super excited to have you, man. I'm excited to be here. I've never, you know, it's one of the first ones I've ever done. So that's good, excited. man. It's a first time for everything, you know? And it's like I told you, it's like, I just like to have a conversation because what I find is that a lot of times we men, we don't, we have, we have conversations, right? About work about sports but we don't have any like really intimate hardcore discussions about you know being a man being a husband being a father and that's really kind of what this is meant for and so so tell me about your family so you and Melinda obviously are connected so tell me a little bit about your family I've been with Melinda about 11 years and a little over 11 years I've got two boys one He's almost eight. He's a he's a nut. That he's me in a nutshell times ten. And he's got he's got her heart and a great combination, but sometimes a little overwhelming. <laughs> and then I've got a fourteen year old stepson. He's he's my son. He's been my son since he was three. So that that's my boy too. And like that that whole looking in the mirror thing, man. You want to talk about? something making you look in that mirror that dad does being a dad definitely makes you look like you see something come out of them and you're like man that was me you know <laughs> let me get away from that real quick let me handle that ah. that's and, and it, it's something like it took me it took me a long time to understand like because my dad wasn't around much so like it took me a long time to understand that like a, a lot of my behaviors came from the people that came around in my mom's life and you know and I got little tidbits and I never thought they really did anything you know what I mean never thought it really amounted to much and I always like looked at like why do I do things this way why do I do things this way and I I thought about like all the little bits that I learned from these men while they're that some weren't around long some were and like I learned stupid little habits and little some good tricks, some bad tricks, and I never thought about how much 
one person's influence, no matter at one time or multiple times, can can change you. Until I started looking at my kids, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> can't let that keep going. And that's me, and I know that's me, you know. And yeah. it'll take it takes you back, dude. It makes you makes you think, like, oh wow, maybe some things need to change, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> your kids do you for a minute. That's a little a little nerve wracking sometimes. <laughs> So I want to go back to your childhood a bit, right? Because I think, you know, you are, there's a lot of men that have a similar story as you, where there were multiple men in and out of their life, you know, their mom was trying to figure it out, or, you know, maybe there was some abuse or addiction or, you know, that kind of the related story to that. But how did you, as a young man, as a, a boy, how did you work through kind of the fluidity of having different men that some of them you probably really looked up to and others like, man, ah, this guy, <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait till he leaves, right? So how did you there work through that? Some of them, I'm, I'm not kidding. I actively tried to get them out of the house, you know, and, and that came back to haunt me later when I was older. My mom would throw that in my face. You know, she'd be like, well, it's your fault I don't have a man. And that's why I, I expect you to do all these things. And I'm like, it's it's not my fault that you don't have a man. It, you, yeah. It's my fault you didn't have a, a few of those men, but like there was reasons I wanted them out. You know, I'm not just going to come to you and be like, that dude hit me when you were gone, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actively try to get them out of my life. if." If I don't want them in my life, you know, and yeah. usually I, I gave them the benefit of the doubt, but you don't put your hands on me or my sister, or I will make sure that you don't come back, you know, and a few of them I did, and it kind of soured our relationship, I think, with my mom a little, because she, like I said, she blamed me for a while and said, you know, and like, I get that, that, that's kind of shitty to say to your kid, you know what I mean? So, yeah, no, it I is. Yeah. And, so it's all like it soured our relationship now as an adult because like I've going back to that whole looking in the mirror thing I started thinking back to you know like how or why am I the way I am and some of my shittier qualities a lot of them are hers and and it's learned behavior and I it hit me hard one day when I I told my stepson don't you talk to her that way because uh, he was talking to my wife disrespectfully and he said why not you do mm. and that hit me real hard like he's right I, you can't <clears throat> excuse me you can't be a good father if you're not a good husband you know you can't teach them how to treat women and then go treat women the opposite of what you're trying to get them to do and that day hit me when he told me that why not you do and I that one hit me and from that day that was a about three years ago and from that day i've progressively every day worked and worked and worked to make sure that would never happen again and to be the example of now i can ask you why are you doing that and now i can tell you not to do that because i'm not doing it too and that's a hard one to that's another hard one to deal with like you know be an example don't don't lead by speaking lead by doing you know and actions speak louder than words and that day hit hard when he said that and but at the same time like you can't you can't be a good father if you're not a good husband and vice well okay let me let me take that back you can still be a good father if 
but by being a good husband, if you know when the time is right and it's just not working and you're just destroying your kids' lives and you know when the time's right to leave that marriage and separate and still remain in your kids' lives, that's another way of being a good husband because you're not forcing this woman to stay with you and ruining me. Like the kids don't, that doesn't help. That's not healthy for them to see either. So I don't want to make it seem like if you're not married, you're a shitty dad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, you know, you got to know when to pull it and know when to hold them, know when to fold them, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, I I think there's a lot of power in that because, you know, our kids watch us and a lot of times we're preaching, but our actions are not matching what we're preaching. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember very distinctly, you know, when we were kids, you know, we, we had Big Al, which was a paddle. We got paddled. I mean, but, but we were never abused, right? And I only remember one time where my dad laid hands on one of my brothers. And my brother was being disrespectful to my mom. And my dad came in, and he's hearing what's going on. And he literally pinned my, son, my, my brother against the wall. And he said, don't you ever talk to your mom like that again not only because she's your mom but because she's my sweetheart and no one talks to my sweetheart that way whether they're my kid or a friend or anything and it and it just really impacted me because as i thought about that one i saw that one my dad was protective of my mom number two his words and his expectation of how we treated our mom was no different in the way that I saw him treat my mom. My dad was very different, very loving, very kind. I mean, he would come up and, you know, goose her and come up and give her a hug and give her kisses and, and all that stuff, right? So his his actions aligned with what he was expecting us boys to do. And I think that's really, really important. And the other thing, too, that kind of hit me in what you were sharing is I think a lot of times young men, especially if they're in a a home where there is a lot of moving parts, right? And they're not sure what's coming in or when something or someone comes into their life and they are abusive to some extent they may not have the physical capabilities to protect their siblings or themselves, right? And so you go into this kind of passive aggressive way of going, all right, I'm going to change this out of a way to protect yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's like walking on eggshells though. And I never wanted, I never wanted my kids to feel that way. Like growing up, I always said, like, I'm never going to have it where my kids, first of all, are afraid to ever come to me with something. And second of all, feel like they've got to tiptoe and be real careful. And, oh, I got to watch what I say or I'm going to piss my dad off. And I realized, like, I was getting that way. I was working so much and and just constantly going. I was never, there was never, ever a rest period. It was either I was working or I was fixing something or and then taking quick breaks for naps. And I was constantly on edge and I was always, I was an asshole. And I would always justify it with, well, I've been working a lot, I'm stressed out. Well, who could, then you need to fix something, you know? And it took me a long time to realize that 
a man isn't only a man because of the amount of time he works and the amount of money he provides. Like a man is a man because of the way his family feels when he's with them, not just what he can give them. And it, I think that was a lot to do with the way like my mom always portrayed men to me as you sh your dad should have never left us. Now look at us. Look how bad we're struggling. Well, you shouldn't have gave him a reason to, you know, <laughs> there yeah. it was two-sided road there but it was always driven home to me you know your dad did horrible and you don't ever leave a woman you don't make a woman do anything so in my eyes I'm like my wife can't work my wife just needs to be at home with the kids because that's the way my mom portrayed it like I shouldn't be working your dad should be and forever that's what I thought the measurement of a man was work 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 and the day that the day that my kid said that to me, I realized, like, you know what? He's right. Like, I do get disrespectful when I'm mean and cranky and try and take a nap, you know, and I do pop off. And it took me a long time to understand that they, they're they not just reflections of my personality. They're reflections of my actions. And that day hammered it home for sure. And, and yeah. he's made a comment, too, like, Dad, I've noticed, like, you don't you don't really fight anymore like you don't you guys don't get mad and yell and you're you're different and I said I have to be like I realized like I'm doing exactly what I said I was never going to do and can't I can't do that can't leave them at my age now going man I don't ever want to do that to my kids <laughs> you know yeah yeah so, well and I think you know especially with my conversation and your lovely wife Melinda you know, it seems like one of the things that really impressed me in my conversation with you guys is that you worked through some really challenging times, right? Both yeah. as individuals, but also as a couple, right? And I think, you know, based on our discussion, a lot of that had to do with her tenacity and commitment to go, you know, whatever's happening, I'm going to make this work. So how did you make that shift to go? I mean, obviously your son's question was a big one, but what happened to you to go, you know what, I need to become the husband she deserves along with the, boy, the father that these boys need? I was going to lose her. <laughs> and I, I hush you too. And I sensed that. I sensed that coming. Sorry, the pups are down here with me. So oh, that's good. And I, she told me one day, like, I'd like to spend a couple of days, you know, a little bit of time apart. And I, I slept downstairs, and I understood then, like, it's got to go. It's got to go now. <laughs> like, got to change it right now. And when I had my I had a car accident that, well, there you go, took away some of my fingers, you you know, but it also kept, it, it caused a recurring effect, infection that kept putting me in the hospital and I couldn't stay working. And that, that humbled me quite a bit. But at the same time, it, it still, I was still in that, oh, I got to work. I'm a man. I got to be at work state. But at the same time, like I saw what my wife was capable of in that year and a half that I would like, I would go to work for two weeks, my hand would get infected. And then I'd end up in the hospital in Chicago with a severe bone infection or MRSA. And 
so it, she, it got to the point that she's like, you can't keep working. You, you just got to stop. You got to listen to him. You got to stop. So I quit working and she went back to work. And that, that day was hard for me. Like it took me a long, it got worse before it got better. Watching her leave and go to work every day. Like I used to, and in my eyes, that's, that's supposed to be me. You know, she's not supposed to be going to work every day. That's supposed to be me. Cause I hadn't changed any of my other thought process yet other than probably can't do my old job anymore <laughs> you know yeah so going through all that and being stuck at home and it got worse before it got better and she told me like listen something's got to change or we're we're not going to make it and so I did I stayed downstairs for a few nights and you know the boys were like what's going on what's going on and we told them you know like just working on some stuff, you know, like it's hard to, it's hard to be honest when you don't even know yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I didn't want to just be like, well, you know, me and mom are fighting. Cause we weren't fighting. It wasn't yelling and screaming. It was just, Hey, this has gotten to a point. Like, I don't like, I'm feeling things that I don't want to feel. And, and I got it. Like looking back on myself, the, those few nights that I was downstairs, I spent a lot of time, like, just thinking, you know, it's hard to sleep by yourself when you're used to sleeping with your wife, you know, and you know she's right up there, but and you also know that if you if you want to respect this and make it work, you gotta respect that you're you're staying downstairs, you know. And yeah. part of my language, sorry about that. No, and good. Uh, and so though like that gave me a lot of time to to sit and think about exactly what you know, like what what was I doing that was getting to be too much was it just because I'm home all the time and I'm cranky or was it a loss of like what am I doing wrong that I thought hadn't changed so then I started looking back at like the things I didn't do anymore and the things that I started doing that I used to never do and long hard looks at yourself you know to understand yep. like where am I going to fix this or I got to fix it or lose it. So where is it? Where's the biggest problem at? And trying to get to a point where I understood why or how I got to that area before having the conversation with her, because otherwise I get defensive and it wasn't becoming conversations. They were becoming arguments, get defensive. So that Man, you hit it right right at the start of this dang thing when you said that, taking a good hard look at yourself, because that's what this whole last, I would say, three and a half years of my life, I started I started noticing it in my kids before my accident. It started affecting my marriage a lot more after the accident. And in that past three or four years, it's been a couple of long, hard looks in that mirror. Those hospital stays were definitely some long, hard looks because I'm like, look at you, look at you, you dummy, you know, you you dummy, <laughs> seriously, you know, you got to take it, you got to chill out or you won't be here for the family. And then what good are you then? What kind of man are you then? You left him. So mm. that's when the whole change it now or lose it all type mentality came in. And then I did something that I never thought I would do. I, I went and saw a therapist just to because like maybe I felt I felt as if I don't know this person so maybe I'll go farther into shit with this person 
than I would my wife because I'm afraid like, oh, maybe if I tell her that she'll <laughs> go get the divorce papers, you know? <laughs> so yeah. that, that helped like knowing, like I didn't know this person from Adam and it was during COVID. So I didn't even have to like go in front of them. It was just like this, like a Zoom meeting though. And that made it a lot easier to to understand why I, I acted the way I did and like what, what it was in me that was making my reactions ridiculous really is what they were and it was a lot to do with what was told to me as a kid men are men for this reason and i was no longer providing that reason so it was destroying me and that's not a man's worth not just his work you know yeah that that's really powerful there's two things in what you just shared that i think is really powerful i think it is we have this kind of generational expectation expectation of what a man should do what he should provide right and it's so ingrained in us to be solver pro solve them problem solvers <laughs> and providers and work and all that stuff right that that's natural to us and to have that pulled away from you not only does it kind of feel like you've been castrated as a man but all of a sudden you're having to step back you're having to swallow your pride and you're going to you're having to go you know what i need to allow room for my wife to come in and help our family to help us as a couple to help me as a man and that can be really challenging for a lot of men to swallow right and it's and the in your wife your girlfriend, your significant other, they want to to come in and serve and help. And we do them a disservice when we push them away. And we do ourselves ultimately a disservice. The other thing is I think a lot of men have, there's a huge, huge stigma attached to going to see a psychiatrist or a counselor or whatever, right? And it's like, well, I'm not man enough if I got to go talk to somebody about my feelings. But I love that you said, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to somebody. And there's power in that, right? There, That person's an objective party. You know, they're looking at it and listening. They're giving you room to express what's on your heart, what you allowing you room to express what's been bottled up in many cases for years and years and years. And until you get it out of your system, there's no way to really analyze it. When it's stuck in your head, it's harder to look at it. And it, it I'm not kidding. Once like, it's like, once it came out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, dummy, you know, like you would start, you just, each, each time I met him, met up with her i i just it seemed like more and more opened up and like i thought about things more and more and then i'd go back and i'd sit and think about our meeting and i'm like that makes a lot of sense on the whole reason i thought this way right after the accident because like you said i was just castrated and in my mindset my manhood's gone now i can't provide what what good am i i'm i'm mr mom now and that's at that point in my life, you know, I'm like, that's not okay. Those guys are 
week, you know, that's that's right. We can do that. Well, not not all the time. Sometimes it's the smarter choice of the two people. Sometimes the woman's degree makes more money and it's smarter for the guy to and that whole men are weak if they're not the ultimate provider thing was really hard to get out of my head. And it's still it's still in there. Like I still feel like, damn. I don't want you to spend your money. Let me spend my money, you know, but at the same time, it's not in there to the point that I'm like, I don't want you to go make money. You should just hang out, chill out, you know, not realizing that that's like telling them do nothing. You're not, you're not good enough to go do anything. Just sit here, you know? Yeah. So not only do you have to look in the moon, you got to look around sometimes. Some guys aren't good at that either. They just, they're just dead set in one direction and on one idea and that's it. That's awesome, man. That that there's there's so much wisdom in that. So looking at, you know, your life over the last 11, 14 years, right? Especially as you've kind of made this transition of, you know what, there are things about me that I need to improve. There's things about me that I would like to adopt. There are things about me that I'd like to shed. So that I can be a better father. So I can be a better husband. And I love that you said you can. And this was my interpretation of it. You said if you're a good husband, you're naturally going to be a good father. Right. So looking back. What are some key things that that you think are really critical for a man to recognize or do in their home? to become a better father and a better husband? The, like one of the hardest things that like, and it's not just for me either, it's for a lot of people my age, like just our, our age group at ourselves. We were brought up by just hard asses, man. And, and that's what it was. Like my grandpa, he was a hard ass. Like he, I would go with my grandma over the summer and he'd work my ass off and it was always, you know, no, no, boy, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. It was never a here. Let me show you real quick. It was, I'm going to show you one time. And then if you mess it up, you're an idiot, you know? And, and that was a hard, like, it's hard to learn that way. And it made it to where now naturally I, I learned better by, by watching something be done one time and hand me the damn tools and, and let me do it. Show me once. Let me do it. And a lot of people don't learn that way because a lot of people weren't brought up by people that were hammered down, hammered down, hammered down. They were brought up by the people that were brought up by those people. So they're like, oh, I'm afraid to do that to my kids. And one of the things that was hardest for me to learn is how to how to teach them without preaching them mm. and and not just hammering it hammering it hammering it because in my experience with everything those are the things i pushed away from like you hammer it into my face i don't want to do that shit no more like (laughs) but you taught me about it and got me interested in it and now that like detailing and like i liked it when i did it before but then doing it to a level now that i'm doing it like i don't i don't want to do anything else you know like getting a winter job sucks so (laughs) but it took until I was way later in my years to understand, like to get into a passion like that, because nobody ever taught me in a way that I, I absorbed it and 
damn, that's interesting. It was more of a taught to me as a job, not a passion. And so that's one thing. If I could say, if just one thing even, the, the manner that you talk to people and the way that you treat and teach your children, it can't be hammered down all the time. Like, so, I mean, I get it when they're, when they're messing up, they're messing up. Like you can't just be light on them all the time or they're going to continue messing up. But when teaching them a trade or a task or anything, like the hardest thing for me was teaching them, not talking down to them basically. Cause it, it looking back, that's what I did. I didn't teach like, Hey, check this out. It was more, come here and do this. And then when they did it wrong, just give me the tools, you know, and mm. that, that don't work anymore. And that was a hard one for me to understand. So if I could give it, if I could give anybody any advice on that, it would be re relearn how to teach your children. Because if you're my age, the way you were taught is probably the same way I was taught. And it probably made you learn the same way I learned. And my life would have been a lot easier if I if I had gotten passionate about something that I was taught years ago and knew it my whole life and loved what I did my whole life. I've had some jobs that I hated. And I mean, you're always going to get some jobs you hate, but you get less of them if you've got to drive on one certain skill that you want or one one path you want to take in life. So people don't get interested in stuff like that when it's forced down their throat. Yeah, and, I, the, the imagery of that is so powerful, right? You know, instead of preaching, teach. Because how many times have we gone to Sunday school, right? And the preacher's up there and he's pontificating about some principle and, oh, bring down the wrath of God, right? And you, and you literally, your eyes and your heart just kind of glaze over and you're not even paying attention. Because you but feel like you're being but, but when you have somebody go, hey, come here. Let put your hands on this machine, right? I want you to feel it move. I want I want you to try this, right? And and I'll admit I haven't been the best at that. But those times when I've slowed down and I've been more deliberate and more patient, said, all right, let's figure this out together. I mean, the biggest thing, like our kids, right? Every year in a row, our kids all had to build these mousetrap cars, right? And it would have been easy to do the same thing every year. But it's like I tried to go, all right, this is your, your opportunity to learn how to build this. What do you want to try to experiment? This is what we did last year. But is there something that you would do differently, right? And so it's pretty cool. Like every year, there would be little tweaks, little enhancements, little personality differences right as i'm working with those kids and the experience was better because i wasn't stepping in and taking over i was yep. allowing them to explore and discover you know based on past experience and i think that's important for us men because i think a lot of times we get impatient they're they're not doing it the right way they're not doing it our way and we demoralize them when we step in and take over instead yep. of going, oh, where, why are you struggling? And then let them articulate what they're fighting with. And then it's your opportunity to share. 
Yeah, exactly. You you do. You take it. They, then they're afraid to even tell you when you just snatch the tools and then you you do it and then you go back and say, well, what was the problem? Well, nothing, nothing. They're not yeah. going to tell you because you you did. You 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 made them feel dumb and that that's rough. Like when I was little and people made me feel dumb, like that's embarrassing, you know. And and it does. It demoralizes you. It makes you feel like, man, I guess I messed up. Uh, that there goes that opportunity instead of now I know better and now I know what not to do because you took the time and showed me. Yeah. And that's hard. That's hard. And a lot, and I get, it's hard to, it's hard to retrain something that you've known your whole life. And, and I guess being told by your kid that you're doing it wrong is, is one of the easy, is one of the, one of the better ways that, that, that way sank in for me, I guess. And, you know, my mom told me for years that, you know, Josh, you're going to be, you're going to hate your life if you don't quit messing up. And I never listened and never listened, never listened. And then, yeah, you know, they say in hindsight, parent, you always say, oh, mom was right. Well, right in a way, yes, because I didn't quit messing up. But at the same time, it was like, you keep telling me to quit messing up. Like, I just, it's like, I'm forced to keep messing up. <laughs> you're screaming at me, you're, you know, like. No, don't take the time to ask me why I did the dumb shit. Just scream at me for doing the dumb shit, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, and I really, I really love that, you know, you're so open with the reality that your son called you on the carpet, right? And, you know, whether it's your wife or whether it's your son or it's a friend that says, you know, it's important to be able to have an environment where people can go, you know, like you're not at your best, <laughs> you know, sorry, dad, you're not living up to what you're, you've been teaching me. And I, I really appreciate your humility in sharing that story because a lot of times we men, we're moving through life in our own arrogance, our mm -hmm. own, you know, pride, and we're not becoming better. We're not shedding the things that need to be let go of so that we can become better men and better husbands and better fathers, ultimately. A lot, I, a lot of mine was I, was I was more afraid to admit that I even had the problems or had the issue than, than to address it. Well, I, that's not me. I don't have that problem. Get out of here, you know, and in the back of the it, head, you're going, yeah, I do. Oh, dummy, yeah, yeah, like if you just saw me at home, you know, shit or what, whatnot, and and it, uh, if you're not ever called on your shit, you'll continue to do dumb shit. And yeah. that day, like that, sank into me, you know. Like I said, I got called on my shit by my by my son, and that he was right. I can't tell him what not to do if I'm doing it. So I love that, that day. Well, man, I and, I. I really enjoyed the conversation i want to thank you for taking the time to visit with me i i really enjoyed getting to know you and your beautiful wife melinda you know to see you know in our little conversation you know off the side of the boat right i could really feel and see the tenderness the love that has been developed through the crucible of trial and through the crucible of leaning into each other. And I, I just want you to know that I see it and more importantly, I feel it. And it's, it's a tribute to what you two have become 
And it's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on, on the podcast. So thank you. So shout out to both you and your wife and tell your wife, thank you for being the, the woman that she is because she's amazing. I appreciate every word that you just said, because like a lot of like a lot, a lot of trials happened to, to get where we're at now. And there's a lot of things that did have to be shed. And unfortunately, some of it was toxic family members. And that was a hard one to deal with, too. And like you said, sometimes there's things that got to be shed to understand, you know, and don't be afraid to tell your kids the times when you screwed up. Don't don't always tell them that your dad whooped this dude's ass or dad did this awesome shit. Tell them when dad did dumb shit. That way they understand. If my dad yeah. can do it, it happens. But learn from it. Don't repeat it. Yeah. That's a choice. You made a mistake at that point. You yeah. know. And so don't just always tell your kids all your good stories. Tell them your bad ones too. Let them learn from you a little bit. Yeah, and That's it's tough I, because I think yeah. I think a lot of men, you know, they. They don't want to share the bad things because one, they're afraid that their kids will emulate it, <laughs> yeah. or two, that they'll they'll do it as a justification, saying, "Well, Dad did it; it didn't turn out bad for him, right?" And so it's kind of this crazy balance. But you know, especially as your kids get older, you know, it's like I, you know, I share more and more with my kids, and I'm like, "Look, you know what? Just like you, I'm learning." Now, I wasn't always 57, you know, and, and I'm still a 20-year-old trapped in a 57-year-old body. I'm still, I mean, out with the kids playing on the boat and stuff, right? I still, I still feel young. I want to be young. I want to be part of your life. And, you know, we're reaching, you know, they're kind of old enough now where we're sharing more and more. And I think to your point, you know, be open with your kids. Share with them your, your triumphs. But also, you know what? That messed up. He didn't go to college or, you know what, he went through an addiction for a while or whatever, right? Because they need to see that there is a blueprint that they can follow, that they can emulate in somebody that they trust. And that that's a big thing about the whole, tell your kids when you screwed up. Tell the whole story, though. Don't let them think, you know, oh, I, I messed up. It was cool. Tell the whole story. Tell about all the dumb shit you had to go through because of that mistake. That way, if they're ever in the position to make that mistake or have made it, they won't be afraid to call you because you're not going to be dad. He knows what what, what I'm going through. It's not going to be. A, I can't call my dad. He's going to freak out. So you got to keep it going both ways. Never let it become a one way street. And that's I was bad at that. It was always my feelings mattered. Now, shut up. And that that was a that was always a hard thing for me to break. And it took me a couple of years after meeting Melinda and meeting Hendrix that I had to learn that other people's feelings mattered and then progress from that point. That was one of the first things I needed to learn that it's not just me anymore. And well, that's that good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, man. There's been a great conversation. Um, you know, Pat, you're such a humble guy. You've been through a lot, and I appreciate, you know, just coming on, being open, sharing your story, a little bit of your story. And, um, you know, it's, you know, our conversation has impacted me. It's like, all right, Jody, what do you, what do you, what do you need to shed or what are you still holding on? So thank you so much. 
for being my guest. It's been a great conversation. It has. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And you guys tapping in, please remember, like, share, and subscribe. And you know we're going to check you same time, same bad channel just next week right here.